0: Oh, well, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Um, while we're giving people praise, I thought the praise band was great, like always, so we could probably give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys, for we'll leading us in worship. I know you were down a few people today, so thank you. Well, it's a good Sunday to be here. We're starting a new series. We talk about a certain top, topic, usually for about a month or so. And month of June is going to be strapped. This is really a... Uh, teaching about uh, your personal finances. And today's topic is opening the doors. But since it's a a topic that people don't usually like us to talk about in church, I thought we'd talk about something else to make it a little bit easier for you. And so we're going to start off with what I call laws of physical balance. And we're going to see a correlation between the physical laws of balance and our personal finances. Now, I used to play ball when I was a kid. some softball later, and this is an old bat I found in, in, in our garage. <clears throat> but to help us illustrate or understand uh, physical balance, first you need to have a reference point. So if I want to balance this bat, I've been practicing, but not very good. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, it was better. So I have to have a reference point. I have to keep looking at the bat if I expect to balance it, because if I look away, I lose it, Right? So there's got to be a reference point. And we're going to tell you at the end of the teaching today, a suggested reference point for your personal finances. The second law of physical balance is this, constant corrections. If I just put that there and stand here, it doesn't stay there very long, does it? It's the only way I can keep it balanced if I do constant corrections. And just like we have to do that with physical balance, we need to do that with our personal finances. And we've all walked, tried to walk across a plank or a log, and to do that, you continually are a tightrope person. I don't know if we have any, but you've seen them. They've had to do constant corrections to keep balanced. The third area is <clears throat> you need to have a clear objective. What is my objective here? I want to try and keep the bat upright. That's my objective. So I have an objective, and I continually stay focused on that objection <clears throat> I have to do those things to stay physically the bat physically balanced and we need to do those things and these are principles you don't have to be a Jesus follower hope you are if you're not that you will become one but these are principles even the ones that we will find in scripture this morning that work just because they are financial principles now if I violate any of these three what happens If I don't make constant corrections, I lose balance. If I don't stay focused, I lose balance. If I don't have a clear objective, I knock myself out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now, so we're going to talk about the connection here. There is a slight difference. And let me put it this way. Let me put the next slide up. Personal finances don't follow the law of Pinocchio. They follow the law of the harvest. Let me explain what I mean by that. Everybody knows about Pinocchio. What He told a lie. What happened? His nose got bigger. And if you, mine's big enough. So uh, if you uh, were going to, nose was going to get bigger every time you told a lie, you wouldn't tell lies, would you? If your eyes got bigger every time you looked at something you shouldn't look at, you wouldn't Look at those things. If your ears got bigger every time, you, they're big enough too. <laughs> if you looked at something, heard of something you shouldn't, if your ears got bigger, you stopped doing that. And we talked about this back in January. If you said things you shouldn't say and your mouth got bigger, you certainly watch what you said, right? But the law of finance <clears throat> didn't operate that way because that's an instant response, right? It follows the law of harvest, and we have a farmer in here, where are you? <laughs> there he is. All right. I just tell him how look good his corn looked when I drove by this morning. All right. The law of the harvest is this. It's later and greater. So I don't know how many acres Mike has, but say Mike's got 50 acres of corn he's going to plant, and a neighboring farmer has 50 acres of corn, but he only plants 10. A week later, can we tell who planted the 10 and who planted the 50? Can't tell a week later. A month later, guess what? Mike's got 50 acres of corn growing, and his neighbor only has 10 acres, All right. So the greater the planting, the greater the harvest, and of course, it's later. So it doesn't happen immediately, it happens later. Now, what happens in your personal finances is this. When you get out of balance financially, does it happen instantly? Can you tell right away? Or is it later? So if my finances are out of balance right now, if I'm having financial issues right now, it's not because of something I did today. It's about something I've done what? Weeks, months, maybe years. So with the bat, it happens instantaneously. In finances, it's later and greater. Another difference is this. Personal finances don't follow the law of fairness. We've all probably thought this. Maybe at work, somebody got a raise that did less work or not as good a work as you did, and you say, that's not fair. Maybe you lost your job, even though you were doing a good job. That's not fair. Maybe you got downsides. That's not fair. Maybe somebody else got something cheaper than you got it. You say, that's not fair. So we think about this often, don't we? But finances don't follow the law of fairness. They just don't. They never will. So, the reason is we can't control them. Can you, anybody here control the stock market? All right, so you can't control it, so it's not going to be fair. In fact, this is interesting. Some governments have tried to make finances fair. We can talk about Mao, and we can talk about Marx. All right, how well did that work out? It doesn't work out, because you can't force finances to be fair. What you and I really want is opportunity, don't we? We want opportunity to get ahead. Another thing is this, being out of balance financially doesn't necessarily create financial problems because many of us have surplus, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. We have more money than we need. It may not feel like that, we may not be living that way, but most of us have more money than we need. We're not a third world country. But it always has consequences. So, whether you're a couple, <clears throat> you may have plenty of money. In fact, most people have plenty of money, and, uh, and they argue about finances all the time. It's not about the amount of money you have. It's about what to do with the money, how much to save, and what to buy, and what not to buy, etc., etc. That's where the arguments come. Uh, those of you with kids, it's really important that you teach your kids financial principles. We taught our kids, but my wife and I were talking about our parents never taught us anything. My first semester in college, I had to write a check for my tuition. I didn't know how to write a check. I didn't. My parents didn't teach me. Didn't learn it. They didn't teach me in school either. Um, singles. One thing that happens when you're single, especially if you're living at home, you can develop bad financial habits because you keep getting a nice income, but you don't have many expenses because you're still living at home. So, you can get in bad financial habits that way. Um, sometimes couples move in together, and it's funny. They never tell me, oh, it's for the sex. Oh, it's because instead of paying two rents, we only have to pay one rent. But when you get two singles with bad financial habits, guess what happens? <laughs> a huge mess is what happens. Of course, there's stages of also. When you start off, you usually don't make as much money as you make later in life, and eventually you get to a place where you retire. Then you ha- retire, then you have less money, so you have to make adjustments. You have to continue to balance. Uh, to be not be strapped and then in couples often one is a saver maybe has trouble being generous the other wants to give everything away and the other one's trying to stop him from giving that giving away everything and so there's that tension and then there's this I, I, I call it presumption in the financial area, we all seem to have this tendency to presume. We presume that the economy is always going to be good. We presume we're always going to get a raise. We're going to get a bonus. We presume that we, uh, pres- presume that we can, you know, I'll keep working until I'm 75, so I don't I can put off retirement. I can put off saving, whatever. We presume, but you can't do that. We none of us know the future. And the other thing about finances is this. Most of us are critical of people that are different. So I tend to be a saver. I'm a critical of people who are spenders. Spenders are critical of people who are savers. Because our way seems <laughs> to be the best. Now I want to talk about a really important principle. We're just going to touch on it this morning. And that's this. Whenever there is extra, and in two weeks we're going to talk about extra, and a lack of discipline, we always move toward being Unbalanced. And I'm going to convince you you have extra in two weeks. So make sure you come back. Um, So the issue is the discipline issue. So I'm Googling, okay, I know obesity is a problem. Uh, At Children's Hospital in the cafeteria, they had this board that was talking about a problem of obesity in Washington, D.C., and how many calories or empty calories are in drinks right there in the cafeteria. Somebody else told me that at John Hopkins they had the... In the cafeteria in John Hopkins, they will not serve you a sugar drink. Isn't that amazing? So the medical profession is kind of catching up with this. But anyway, America is obese. So I looked it up. We are the 12th most obese country in the world. Now the problem is if you look at the 10, 11 in front of us, most of them you, don't, you, you can't find. You don't know where they are. Little islands in the Pacific or the Caribbean, uh, Kuwait, a small country, was number 11. So we're number twelve. There's no advanced, there's no first world country, there's no prosperous country above the United States. I think Canada came in like at twenty-fifth. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. What is the skinniest <laughs> country in the world? And it came out to be Switzerland, which I thought was fascinating because Switzerland is an advanced country. Uh, they have extra, uh, you know, they're first world country. So. Americans have extra, the Swiss have extra, so what's the difference? Why are they the skinniest and we're one of the most obese? Lack of discipline. We eat too much, of, too much, uh, or too much of the wrong thing. Lack of discipline. Now, this is important, especially for Jesus followers. A word for the a Jesus followers the word disciple. Guess what? Disciple and discipline come from the same word. So if you describe yourself as a Jesus follower or a disciple, it's implying that you and I are disciplined. We're not very disciplined in our eating, we're not disciplined very much in our exercise, and we're certainly not very disciplined, unfortunately, in our finances. So we'll talk about that more in coming weeks. <clears throat> so we're going to get to our scripture, and Jesus talked about money a whole lot, <laughs> um, and this principle of being balanced. So, imbalance or unbal- being unbalanced in our finances is an indicator, a strong indicator, that things are out of balance spiritually. Now, we like to separate the two, but Jesus didn't. <laughs> he said they're connected, and we're going to see it in what he, what he wrote or, or spoke. <clears throat> if you and I, now back up, please. When you and I are out of sync with what God's word, the Bible says then we're out of sync financially, we're out of sync spiritually. And this is, all religions of the world teach the, response, uh, the importance and the responsibility of being responsible with our finances, of being balanced with our finances. Now we like to think, uh, they're like politics, don't mix religion and politics. Well, you do it anyway. How many, and don't raise your hand, how many of you actually prayed that God would help you sell a house or sell a car or sell something or find a bargain? We've all done that, right? Either out loud or to ourselves. So we're mixing finances and religion. So here's what Jesus is going to tell us. There is a connection. There is a relationship between our money and the condition of our hearts. So the first thing we look at is something Jesus said, and we'll call the Sermon on the Mount. Right in the middle, he's talking about different areas, and he's pretty radical in his teachings. And then he's going to get to this, this idea of our, 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 our stuff, our treasures, our, our money. And he says this verse, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Not that we're not supposed to say, but that's not where we're supposed to put our priority or focus. Because these things, moths can eat them, rust destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal. So they're temporary, they're not permanent, they can be taken away from us, right? So we need to say, but that shouldn't be our primary focus. So what should it be? Well, he tells us. He says, here's what you should be doing. Store up your your treasures in heaven. Moths can't get to them, rust can't destroy them, thieves can't break in and steal them. They are untouchable, they're permanent. Now, different opinions about what he means by treasures in heaven. A couple are are this. One is, anytime you and I are obedient to God, we're storing up a treasure in heaven. Whenever you and I are doing what God wants us to do, we are storing up treasures in heaven. Um, And it's a choice. We all have this choice. Constantly. It's constant tension. Am I going to be focused on eternity? or Am I focused on uh, stuff and the here and now. So then he says something just, just, just so insightful, so wise. Uh, he says this Wherever your treasure is, there's the desires of your heart will also be. He's talking about the values thing. Where your treasure is, where you spend your money, what you focus on, that's where your heart is. You can say it's anywhere. Now, if you want to judge me where my heart is, it's not on how well I speak up here. It's like last week. It's not you can't judge how good a nice a person I am by what I say up here. You need to talk to my wife. If you want to know my treasure, you need to look at my checkbook. Our checkbook, right? That's where my heart is, not where I might say it is. And we've all probably <laughs> been in a situation where we have been put in second place compared to something, <laughs> some. Thing. I'm just going to use a hypothetical illustration. So a family with, young family with a bunch of kids, and the kids need shoes, and the wife says, hey, uh, you got this nice gun collection. Why don't you sell some of your guns so we can put shoes on the kids? And they said, no, my guns are untouchable. All right, my guns come before the kids. That's a, I know, that's a radical illustration. But we've all felt, you know, been in somebody's car, and you feel like you can't touch anything because it's a new car, and, you know, that car is more important than the relationship. So Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, whatever you're treasuring, whatever you think is most important, that's a reflection of your heart. One way to think about this is, don't ever buy anything that you can't loan. You don't feel comfortable loaning. Because when you loan it, it usually doesn't come back in the same condition, and sometimes it never comes back at all, right? Right? I know that's a little radical, but that's one, one way you may think, think about that. Do you have anything that you're not willing to share? Then that's something you treasure. Now, speaking about finances in the Bible, there's far more in the Bible about how to manage your money, stay balance in your money, not get strapped with your money, than there is how... To give your money. In fact, I'll challenge you. Nobody has found something yet. To find anywhere where Jesus asks for money. I he may have done it. It's not recorded. Not at any place that Jesus asked for money. And so I put kind of a hypothetical thing on your outline. I don't want your money. I don't want your stuff. I'm God. The shirt won't fit, or I don't need a car to drive around in. I don't need it. What does God want? You want your heart. If he gets your heart, he's got you. Relationships you're in, what do you want? Do you want the person's stuff or do you want the person? You want the person. So, God wants us to surrender, give up, what term term you understand best? Our stuff, because our heart, We'll follow that. Surrender to God. Now, why is that important? Well, Jesus in another place, actually in a Sermon on the Mount, but it's recorded also in Luke in another place. And we'll come back to this, I think, in a couple weeks too. Jesus said something when you hear it first, you're going to say, I'm not not quite sure about that. But as you think about it, I think you'll agree it makes sense. It's Luke 16, 13. No one can serve two masters. Well, I've kind of thought of some way to explain that. Well, can I be married to two women? That that doesn't work too good, right? You can't serve two masters, for you'll hate one, love the other. You'll vote it to one, despise the other. You can't serve God and money or be enslaved to money. Now, don't you mean you can't serve God and the devil? (laughs) It's interesting, isn't it? He's not contrasting God and the devil. He's contrasting God and money. So, who do you serve? Who do I serve? Look at your checkbook. Look at your finances. There's always going to be attention because we're kind of self-centered, selfish by nature, aren't we? One way you can check this is what occupies your thinking, thought process? Now, we all, most of us work 80, 40 hours a week, whatever you do. I'm not talking about that. In your free time, what do you focus on? What do you think about all the time? If you're strapped, it's probably finances. If you're balanced, hopefully it's It's something else. Again, Jesus doesn't want your money. Next slide. Jesus doesn't want to get your money. Let me put it that way. Jesus wants to make sure your money doesn't get you. Now, we've already taken our offering. We're not going to pass the offering plate again. Maybe it would be a good idea, right? No, (laughs) we're not going to do that again. Jesus doesn't want to get your money. Now, obviously, we need money to, to operate. And we have people to support the ministry, believe in this ministry, that's fantastic. But Jesus doesn't want your money. Again, he wants your heart. Besides, stuff, next slide, stuff is not a master that makes you content. We think it will. If I get the next new, brighter, shinier thing, I'll be content. Problem with what happens to it. It gets old and not so shiny after a while, right? So it doesn't bring contentment. We think it will, and it deceives us. It's a deception. It can't bring happiness. It can't bring health. So, what we want, I think, what God wants for you is... Next slide. We don't want anything from you. We want something for you. God speaking. He said, he wants me, you to trust him in every area of your life. And most of us do a, probably a pretty good job if you're a Jesus follower in certain areas of your life. But one area, my experience is that most people struggle the most trusting God is with our finances. And he wants you to have the freedom to trust him. And consequently, then you'll be able to be free to obey God. All of us have, have had this desire to be more generous, to give to some ministry, or to give to some people, person in need. And we look at our, our checkbook, we look at our finances and say, I can't do it. I believe that comes from God. That desire to be generous comes from God. But we can't obey God because we are strapped financially. We're not balanced financially. And then to be financially secure. To have that freedom to not be strapped. Be secure. And then to be content. Another week we'll talk about contentment. So we'll say that for later. This is what God wants for you and for me. And we don't have these things when we're out of financial balance. So I said we're going to tell you what I think your reference point should be. Saying balanced, here it is. We give you a kind of, we call sticky statement so you can remember it. You need to be knowing where all your money is going. You need to be knowing where all your money is going. Let's say it together, okay? You need to be knowing where all your money is going. One more time. You need to be knowing where all your money is going. You said, well, I should be focused on Jesus. Well, we just said, Jesus said. There's a strong connection between your money and uh, your spirituality. So this is a spiritual question. And we're going to talk about this later. But in reality, everything you have, none of it is yours. We're described as managers. I said Jesus talked a lot about managing because he said all that you have, you're managing for me. Now, if you hire or have a financial planner and you give them some money and come back months or a year later and say, what's my money doing? He said, I don't know. I don't keep track of it. What are you going to do? You're going to fire that financial planner because that's their job. And God says our job is to manage whatever God has blessed us with or given to us. So here's your homework. Really important. Homework's really important. If I say up here is if it's worthwhile, beneficial, the only way it's really beneficial to you is if you use it or do it. So here it is. For one week, spy on your money. Spy on your money. That means you keep track of where every penny goes. I would suggest you do it on your phone or computer or even a piece of paper. The end of each day, keep receipts. You write down, I bought this, it cost this much. Bought a candy bar for $2, you write that down. Everything. Everything you spend money on for a week. So at the end of the day, pull out your receipts. So I spent, th- you know, $10 at McDonald's just for lunch. Don't go to McDonald's for lunch. But anyway, if that's what you do, put that down. Now, if you're married, you can do it together. But Put your n- initials beside it, or husband or wife beside it. You know, my wife spent this much on this today, and I spent this much on gas, and you write down everything for just one week, right? Now, some of us have been doing this for, for, for months. I had a couple tell me they've been doing it for, they've got book, stacks of books. They've been doing it for like 30, 40 years. Spy on your money. You know, when, when Deb and I first got married, we argued a lot, but the thing we argued about more than everything else put together was what? Money. It was money. Oh, shoo, I think that the Hoovers might have been in that. Hoo, Hoo, Hoovers and Joneses and us took a financial class way back in the community center um, on budgeting. So how long ago would that been? 20, 30, almost 27 years maybe, 25 years. And you know what? The arguments went from this to this. My wife is saying, can I buy this? Put it in the budget? Yeah, okay. Can't put it in the budget? No. No arguments about money it'd be worth it just for that fact right couples all right so homework everybody's going to do their homework this week right for one week spy on your money i'm going to check on check on you next week see how you did okay and like i said we're going to talk about this a couple more weeks so hopefully you can join us again we want you to be financially free and be able to obey god because i know that's your desire your heart so let's pray Father God, thank you. I thank you for these principles. I thank you for these folks. I know this is a tough area. We all struggle with this, even if we've taken financial classes, even if we've been on budgets. So God, help us this week to to not try and fix it, but just keep track of it. And God, we want to pray as always for anyone that might be a Jesus follower today that step across the line They see the wisdom that you share with us and the wisdom in, in being a Jesus follower. God, we thank you that you love this enough to die for us, and in Jesus' name, amen.